tuning into your animal companions is easy as tuning in to yourself. Hello, and welcome to Psychic Playdate Podcast with me, psychic and spirit artist Melanie Alberts. It should not come as a surprise to you if you've listened to some of my episodes that I love to follow my intuition and let myself be guided in life. Spontaneity is so valuable and being in the moment is key to making fun discoveries. That's what I love about play and that's what I love about animals, especially dogs. I've had meaningful relationships with many animals throughout my life from fish to lizards to cats and horses, but dogs really speak to me and my playful nature. I was guided to today's guest, Liz Murdoch's Animal Communication Podcast, Talking with the Dogs, and I loved her stories of helping people understand their beloved animal companions. Today, Liz and I will talk about how she discovered her intuitive communication talents, and she'll give us tips from her upcoming workbook. Plus, I'll show her a photograph of a doggo important to my life for a mini reading. Come on along. Hey, Liz. Hi there. How are you? I'm doing so well. I'm so happy that you're here today. I am too. It's good to talk to you. It's one of my favorite things to do is to talk to animals. I agree. I agree. Sometimes I can't help it. My daughter will be with me. She goes, mom, come on, let's go. Because I'm feeling the pull to a dog. <laughs> I get that too all the time. I'll be out, you know, having a, a drink with my husband and there are the most amazing dogs all around. And I just want to go hug them and right. take care of them and talk to them. Well, I think it's great what you do. And I wanted to give the listener a little bit of background, how you learned that you could talk to animals. Okay. So it was a process, I, especially with kids, they don't realize it's anything uh, from my experience working with kids. And my first experience was kindergarten, show and tell, a dog came to school and everyone was ooing and eyeing about this gray big poodle about the size of all of us. And I remember looking down horrified, like, oh my gosh, I, the dog doesn't like that its nails are painted purple to match. And I could hear this dog saying, there's more to me. I can do more than this, but everyone was talking about how the dog had a matching bow. And I was just like on a mission from then on to get my own dog that I could let it have a full life kind of thing. But I didn't know that I could talk to dogs. And then Dr. Doolittle came out that movie the, and I remember watching it and I loved the music and the, the, the song, but the way the animals talk, I remember like the giraffe and the snail. And I was thinking, but that's not how they talk. So I wasn't engaged with that, but it wasn't anything that I had to proclaim out loud. I was just like an inner knowing like, well, that's not how it is. Mm. And then I was very in tune with my dog. Again, you know, my mother must have known because she took me to dog training with the dog and we won the blue ribbon. And I just thought we hadn't won because we never get called until at the end they called our name. And I was like, oh, 
and I was the only child in the arena. Oh my gosh. So everybody else was, was an adult adult. Yes. Yes. It was a huge arena. And I I was just this little kid and we won the blue ribbon. I still have it, but I, I didn't under, I didn't know I was doing anything different that most kids aren't training their dogs and winning blue ribbons. I had no idea. And I, I just loved doing it. And so then I wasn't really until I was an adult, I was living my life. I was always interested in communication and people being understood. And I had an affinity for dogs, but I did not have a dog. I did not seek it out until I was married and I wanted a dog and I wanted a therapy dog. I wanted to raise this dog to be a therapy dog. Again, not knowing that that's, it's hard. Most dogs just don't become therapy dogs. So I, I, intuitively knew the dog would come into my life. It did. And we got certified to be therapy, a therapy team. Only when we passed did I realize, well, in the program, they said it's hard that 33% of the dogs with pet partners actually get certified. And so the odds of me just picking out this random dog, training him for two years and getting certified the first time was pretty good. What kind of dog was it? He was a black lab. He'd been found in a box with nine puppies. I got him from the Humane Society. But with him one day, we were working at a rehab facility. And I looked at him across the room. He was on a sit stay. And I was like, wow, I know exactly what he's thinking. He wants to go outside. He has to go to the bathroom. But he was just sitting there looking at me. He wasn't (laughs) behaving anyway. But I knew that's what he wanted. And then I What's his name? What's his name? Sam. 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 Oh, I had a black lab named Martha that I used to They're such great dogs. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was this process. And, you know, looking back, I have these things, but that sort of got me on the path, but it was, I was just sort of doing it with myself and with the dog. How do you explain how you communicate with dogs? I say, I talk to them. Well, actually it's a conversation. So I talk to them, but I'm also really listening and it's a conversation and I just explain it. It's like, I speak other languages. I can have a conversation with someone in French. I can talk to a dog and I mostly get an image or a knowing sense. So someone last night asked me, what does the dog think of going with um, the little girl when she goes with her dad? Uh, with the parents are not are, are divorcing mm-hmm. and so they were asking me what does the dog think and I, I immediately got a picture of the dog inside the car when the dog travels and I said oh well there's a lot of stuff in your dad's car and so she tries to figure out where she's supposed to go and sit and sometimes it's hard but she loves it but she's trying to balance herself and I got a feeling of balancing so I just explain it as that the dog is sending me in images or information. Mm -hmm. And then they said, well, what does she say about us? And I said, oh, well, you left the house suddenly tonight because they came over to my house. I said, you left the house and she was concerned. She was perplexed. So I'll try and get a word that the dog is saying. And I have a relieved feeling. So -hmm. that dog was perplexed that the lighting was different when they left. And the, the mom goes, that's right. We usually turn on a few lights. So we ran out. We forgot to turn the lights on. So I just say I'm getting information from the dog. And dogs are psychic, right? All animals speak to each other like this. Isn't this how they communicate with each other? 
well, that's the thing. And there are people say, oh, you know, that's weird. It's like, well, we go along with it that a dog can sniff out COVID now or epilepsy or, or drugs. It's like, it's just, they're just communicating with us in a different way. It's like, we're going to either accept it or not. So I think it's just in the same lines of so many other things that animals can do. You just shared to me a story about mm -hmm. what you learned about the dog. Yes. What does the client have to do now that they got that information? So that's the biggest thing is so with this particular, the dog traveling from mom's house to dad's house, they were like, well, what do we do? I said, you know, I think that I said, the other thing is that at your dad's house, you don't have the crate because they, this is a family that uses a crate. And so the dog, if the dog is overly excited, she goes in her crate and gives herself a time out. If they have friends over who might not be dog people or at nighttime, this dog loves her crate. And I said, but your dad doesn't have a crate. I said, you might want to consider having a crate that your dog can travel in, in the car. You take it to dad's house, you pick a place where the, you put it. And then when your dog is there and wants a break, or if you're going to leave, because when you leave, your dog isn't used to having the whole run of the place. And the little girl's like, oh my gosh, you're right. So when we act upon what an animal tells us, then they're going to develop a greater trust that we are taking care of them. And we are respecting what they need. And it just opens a line of communication. It improves behavior. It can resolve issues because that dog jostling in a car and a busy freeway, it could get injured. It could fall suddenly and pull a muscle, break a leg, you know, whatever. But so for them, it can, it can be preventative as well as solve a problem of the dog, not feeling like, Oh, you left me all alone. It's, it does things like that. I think it's really important that this happens, that people mm -hmm. act on things and don't Definitely. treat what you do as entertainment. Def oh, yeah, because it, and it, it's funny because people can spend so much money on really anything. But if you don't if you don't act upon it, then it's just a waste of money. And yeah, it can be entertaining to find out, oh yeah, the dog said this, ha ha. Well, that's, yeah, that's sort of true. Gosh, that's amazing. That's sort of weird. But it actually makes a difference. I had another client, I said, your dog is, he's eight months old, this big, and he was a puppy. I said, oh, interesting. He's confused. The rules are changed because when he's a puppy, he could sit on your lap and he could look out the window and he's on the furniture, but now he's not allowed and he's perplexed. And the man said, oh yeah, you're right. So he sent me a picture where he allowed the dog back on the chair, the dog's looking out the window and the dog's expression, his whole, how he was holding himself was totally different from what I'd witnessed the previous day. And it made a huge difference to let the dog do that. So, you know, I, I understand the entertainment aspect, but I'm mm -hmm. also like very serious. If you want to have a really good relationship with your dog, listen to what it says. Absolutely. Now, dog adoptions have mm -hmm. soared during lockdown. What yes. are some of the common problems that may occur with puppy adoptions? So that is a good question. There are a variety. There are people who aren't realistic with what they can offer this particular dog. They will say, oh, it's really nice dog. Oh, I want to rescue it. But just because we might want to rescue somebody, I mean, I might see a cute kid on the street. I'm not going to think, oh, you should come live with me. 
it's like, if, if you can't take care of the dog long-term, then as much as you might want to t adopt it, it's not really the good idea or rescue it. The same thing. Oh, poor dog. I want to rescue it. But if you know that you have a child who's allergic or you're going to be traveling, it's not the best thing to, you just have to be realistic on what you can offer an animal for long-term. And are you willing to offer it, you know, the right food that it needs, the time for care, exercise, uh, if it needs medical expenses, you know, being realistic. And yes, puppies are very demanding. They are. And then they grow into ad adult dogs that are different. And as I learned, I mean, I've worked with dogs my whole life. And this one dog was a reminder. It's like, wow, the rules change from when they're a puppy to a big dog. And you've got to keep working with the dog in the different stages of their lives. And, you know, just like a two-year-old and a 16-year-old. <laughs> yeah, They're so, so cute. We love puppies so much. Yeah, not be, being honest is really, I think, that honest with what you can provide an animal. And the whole family being on board. That's right. Yeah, you said don't get an animal unless everyone in the family wants the animal. Exactly, exactly. It don't surprise someone if, if your kids want one and that you think they're going to learn chores and stuff, but you don't really want to help. Everybody has to want to talk to the dog or it can become a point of contention and the dog will know it. Well, the holidays are coming up. Don't get a dog for your loved one. Instead, get your new workbook, Talking with the Dog's Official Workbook. It's coming out next month. It is. And it's a wonderful way to learn how to practice animal communication. And I would love for you to give the listener a little taste of your workbook. Excellent. Thank you. I'm very excited about it. So I have it broken down into five different steps to follow for my chat session method. And step three that I think would be a good one is how to tune in with your dog. You would be tuned into yourself and ready to, um, you're, you're open to the experience, but tuning in with your dog starts with, and I'll, I'll just read this little paragraph from it. It says, let your dog know you want to connect in a new way that you have the best intentions and hope your chat will enhance your relationship. If you're just meeting a dog, introduce yourself and ask permission to tune in and find out what it wants or needs you to know in order to help it in any way you can. Just like people, don't pry, simply allow the dog to share whatever it wants. I've met dogs who've told me they didn't want to say much because their person was very private. However, when explaining that's okay, share whatever the dogs always do. So the essence is that you want the dog to be able to say whatever it wants. Then I have another tip, reassure your dog you respect whatever it wants to say and how much it wants to share. So that's a little insight about tuning in with your dog. The idea is that you, if the dog wants to only talk about its ball, then we just figure out what it wants us to know about the ball and we can say, tell me more. Yes, absolutely. I love those tips. That's really good. Now I want to do a little practical session. Okay. I am going to show you a photograph of a dog that I had a relationship with. Okay. And I would love for you to give me a little 
mini reading. Okay. And maybe we can talk after the reading uh, on how you did it and uh, okay. some feedback. Excellent. Go ahead and just give me uh, your first impressions or whatever information you get. Okay, so the first word I get is a word. And so like if anyone's practicing, and I just wanna say that I will get what I am attuned to. Now, other people might tune into this dog and get other information. It can both be accurate, but I'm getting what I am tuned into and how I receive information. Some people only get taste or some people only get an audio kind of voice talking. I see the word skittish. I feel some frenetic energy. I don't know if this dog got lost, got out or was hit by a car, but I feel something skittish that he, okay, sometimes he was skittish. And then I put a slash, I'm feeling pulled to say slash is, so I just share the information. I definitely feel the word skittish, but it's like it was a transitory and then I feel nauseous. Okay, so for the sake of time, what is there anything that you would like me to focus on? Because I feel like I could go in so many different directions. What is, what is the most important thing he wants me to know? The most important thing, oh, well, that I always loved you even when it was difficult. Okay. So, um, I, even when it was difficult, I guess there was a, that you would try you, there was times. Yeah. He knew that you couldn't take care. There were times where you were trying to do something else or he would get in underfoot or in the way it was like you were in that he would like might dart in and, like make him, he would, he could just, he would disrupt. Um, so I'm writing to get me focused. He would disrupt a moment is the word. He could be disruptive at time. His antics, his antics, it, it was like he couldn't control what he was doing. His like impulse antics would disrupt and and I feel like dishes breaking or something like it might be. Okay. Something well, that's really important because let me tell you about this dog. Okay. I was on the behavior team at Austin Pets Alive, which is a no kill shelter here in Austin. Uh -huh. And this dog, Skip, was in a locked cage. He uh -huh. was not allowed to be walked by just anyone. Mm -hmm. When the first day I took him out for a walk, somebody said, watch out, he eats pit bulls. Oh. So he was a very skittish, very reactive, scared soul who was not adoptable in any way. And I just loved him. I just, just really bonded with Skip and I walked him as often as I could. I talked to him. I took him out on the trail and I helped him be patient. And there was something that happened. I had my new iPhone. I had a, a week old iPhone and I was on the phone, going to take a picture of him. He pulled on the leash and my phone 
fell onto the gravel and oh wow cracked the screen <laughs> oh wow that's like the toppling down yeah yeah, yeah. so you totally got that and he finally after several months of working with him he became adoptable mm. and unfortunately i could not take him in i kind of yeah. regret that because i loved him so much but hopefully he had a good home. And you mentioned something about being hit by a car. I could totally understand. I don't know what happened to him. I know he was adopted by a couple, but I don't know what happened to him. So, so it could be, and that's why I was saying, where do you want me to go? Because he may not have, it could be that feeling of being pulled away into another um, situation. Cause some, you know, people who really go into, past lives and crossing over or whatever is that it it could have been a metaphor of he was pulled in like he was taken from you into another life there was definitely a separation that he was with you and then he wasn't and so usually my sessions go about a half an hour so I can keep going back and like skittish was the first word I have it underlined and circled <laughs> and in a half an hour session or an hour session, I could go through and as I'm winding down in a session, I'll go back through my words and double check to see like, oh, well, why was I getting nauseous? But then, you know, we got focused on what you wanted to know. And he thanked you really for what you gave him and the your time together. And he wanted to know that that made a difference. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. That means a lot to me. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely believe that, but yeah, his antics, I'm sorry about your phone, but that's him. I can tell that. So you found yourself connecting with him through the photograph and mm -hmm. you just got some initial pictures. Yes. And I, oh, I got the word skittish. I got the word skittish. Yes. And from there you were able to extrapolate other information. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's hard in this time frame. The shortest I usually do is 15 minutes. What if I'm working at events where people have private time for 15 minutes? Mm -hmm. Like, because these dogs have so much they want to share and it comes so fast. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So I'll go through the different senses and then I'll, I'll go deeper asking him, what do you want? What else can you say about this? Am I missing something? Or if I don't understand something, I'm like, well, okay, I'm trying to figure this out. Can you help me here? I'll ask the dog that. Well, that's wonderful. I know when I communicate with animals, I typically like to write. Mm -hmm. I'll, and I call it, you know, I, I would call it skip talk, you know, okay. and I would just say, yeah. hey, skip, what, what is up? What, what do you want to mm -hmm. tell me? And I just start streaming writing and I feel like I have an animal guide at least one or two who help mm -hmm. me with this information do you feel like you're connected to guides do you get this information from guides or how do you explain I don't it? I don't I know there are animal communicators who talk about guides a lot I just feel like I'm getting it from the animal mm -hmm. and you know again that's what I always like to say the disclaimer for anyone who's exploring it is that you can study it and, and practice it in different ways. But what's going to happen is finding your best way of doing it. And so for me, I, I don't feel guides at all. I feel the animal and then the kind of practice that helps. And, you know, when, when I study or, you know, I read more books on what other animal communicators are saying, how they're doing it, it helps me fine tune like, oh, okay. So I'm going to ask the dog this, 
is what really helps, but I've never felt an animal guide. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I, I feel pretty much the animals want to tell me themselves. Well, that's wonderful. I love that. You don't need a guide. You can just talk to the animal yourself. And I I do feel a sense of with a guide for me, Mm -hmm. talking to animal companions, but not necessarily talking to wild animals. Yeah, I, I, I was in Mexico one time and there we were at a resort and there was, I guess there are crocodiles. I don't remember which one it was. Alligators, but, probably. Yeah. So I was walking along with my daughter and we hadn't seen one. And I, we were walking, it was dark and that we were through this bridge area. And I was like, okay, I know you're there. I said, I just want to see you. And I was sort of playful about it and nothing happened. I'm like, okay, come on, just show me. I know you're there. And there was this huge like snap in the water and it scared us to death. And I thought, I am never doing this again because it was like, I mean, it was massive. Like it was, it, we, we were scared to death and, and it, it was there because that's how do I know is because people saw it the next day and, and they, the, those are the areas. I didn't know that's where they were. I just had this knowing sense as we were walking along, but it scared me to death. And I thought, I'm not going to mess with this. I'm going to only do this. And that's why I like the whole process of tuning in and the, and the end, I always close them out and I respect it. So I, I, I highly recommend that, but the, once I do my version, my process of this, it comes pretty quickly with the animals and I, I, I'm comfortable. I have fun with it. I can use the information to give it to somebody who might need it. Oh yeah. And I remember, uh, on a horseback ride in big Bend national park and talking to the the horse I was on the horse just kind of shook his head. Like what? (laughs) This person is talking to me. And we had an amazing ride. It was really comfortable, really safe. We were walking along these cliffs really. And my husband on his mount was just like shaking in his boots, but uh, I felt very connected to my, my horse and it was, it was great. We trusted each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's nice. It's nice. And kids can do it too. I love working with the kids. Mm -hmm. Good. So is your workbook going to be available for purchase soon? Yes. So probably the second week of December, hopefully, you know, production, I can't control production. So they're saying uh, it's about a month. And so we'll see. Uh, People can go to my website and track it. They can email me. Hello at lizmurdoch.com if you'd like to pre-order. But it's got a, it's got the steps to talking with your dog. And then it's got journal pages so that as you keep journal about your, your, your pet, or if you're an animal communicator and you want a nice journal, you've got this keepsake album that has all your notes and it's nice to go back and see your progress or have aha moments to like, Oh, wow. I didn't realize that it wasn't until I was, you know, 13 animals in practicing this, that I started to you know, notice that I was getting smells of different things, whether it's hay or certain kinds of foods. And so it's fun to track your progress and also what the animals say. And if you're working with a particular dog and 
you know, you talk to Skip and then three months later you go back and you track your conversations like, oh, wow, Skip told me this, but I didn't understand what skittish meant. But for four weeks later in our conversation, I kept getting the same word. So I like for people, my students, especially to be able to track their progress and see that they were getting useful information that may not have made sense to them in the beginning, Mm -hmm. but it does now. That's a great way to learn. And you're also going to offer at a certain price point, a half an hour of consulting. Yes. Yes. So I, I do that now I consult, but I was, I'm going to package it with the workbook so that people have an, an accountability that you're, they're not just, Oh, here's this book. I guess I'm doing great because it's really tricky to when you're, especially if you're, people are going to try and work with clients or a family member's dog, best friend, whatever, that you learn how to give the information in a way that I haven't interpreted it. But if, for instance, the word skittish, I might say that, oh, well, skittish, or maybe the dog, you know, broke a plate, but I saw something came, you know, I see this Mm -hmm. image and you make sense that it was your iPhone. Oh, it's totally my iPhone. And I'm not trying to translate, but I, if I had come on like, oh, well, it's really this and I'm right, then I'm doing you a disservice because one, I want to help you understand that animal communication works, whether or not you work with me or you, or you do it on your own. I want you to start embracing it as part of your dog care, anybody as part of their dog care program. And then two, I want them to use the, learn how to use the information. So there's a variety of things at play there, but so, yes. So by working with me and having a consult, I can help them fine tune their progress as well. And I don't think we can teach ourselves as well by our alone than working with somebody. Oh, I totally agree. And I think that's wonderful that you care so much about the student that you really want them to be good at it. I do. I do. I don't think it's helpful to anyone to just get the sense of, Oh yeah, you're really good. You're really good. You know, People, as you know, we have, we can use the same, a similar ability in different ways and in different, with different situations and different clients and to bring us joy. And, you know, I I can talk to horses, but I don't think I'm going to thrive going to horse shows, talking to horses, because that's not me. You know, I love talking to dogs. I love talking to horses, but not in the horse show arena. I, that's not my home. But there's somebody else out there who might be really good at it. So I want to help prepare them for that. Right. And I want to get better at talking to animals that I use my artwork. Exactly. Exactly. And your artwork is such a gift. Thank you. Yeah, it's beautiful. So I think that understanding that animal communication, people can use it in so many different ways. And so I want to teach them and then sort of empower them to go use it to because there's such a need for it that's wonderful and thank you so much for stopping by and giving me your expertise and telling me a little bit about skip i think you really nailed it and i really appreciate getting to know you a little bit better and definitely will get your workbook good good well i'm glad thank you so much for having me oh you're very welcome Oh, 
I hope you agree that Liz did such an awesome job tuning into my dear Skip. I love her approach to active listening and trusting the words and images that arise when tuning into an animal. Please give it a try because blending with the energy of your animal friends reminds you how like bands of a rainbow, we may appear as different species, but share the same awareness. Hey, be good to each other and tune into the power of play.